0: Section twenty eight. On Anything. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. On Anything by Hilaire Belloc. Section twenty eight. On the Honest Man and the Devil. A man who prided himself very justly upon his uncompromising temper and love of truth, had the misfortune the other night to wake at about three o'clock in the morning, and to see the devil standing by his bedside, who begged him that he, the honest man, should sell him, the devil, his soul. I will do nothing of the kind, said the honest man, to a mixture of sleepiness and alarm. Very well, said the devil quite obviously put out. You shall go your own way, but I warn you if you will have nothing to do with me, I will have nothing to do with you. I ask for nothing better, said the honest man, turning over on his right side to get to sleep again. I desire to follow truth in all her ways, and to have nothing more to do with you. With these words he began a sort of regular and mechanical breathing which warned the devil that the interview was now at an end. The devil, therefore, with a grunt, went out of the bedroom and shut the door smartly behind him, shaking all the furniture, which was a rude thing to do, but he was very much annoyed. Next morning, the honest man, before going out to business, dictated his letters as was wont into a phonograph. This little instrument, which, by the way, had been invented by the devil, though he did not know it, is commonly used in the houses of the busy for the reception of dictated correspondence, comic verse, love sonnets, and so forth. And if the busy also live by their pen, the phonograph spares them use of this instrument. The honest man of whom I speak had no such profession. He used the phonograph for his daily correspondence, which was enormous. He dictated his answers into it before leaving his private house, and during the forenoon his secretary would take down those answers by reversing the machine and putting it at a slower pace, so that what it said could easily go down upon the typewriter. At about half-past five the honest man came back from his business and was met by his secretary in a very nervous fashion. "'I fear, sir,' said the secretary, "'that there must be some mistake about your correspondence.' I have taken it down literally, as was my duty, and certainly the voice sounded like yours, but the letters are hardly such as I would post without your first reading them. I have therefore forborne to sign them in your name, and have kept them to show you upon your return. Here they are. Pray, pray read them in seclusion, and advise me at the earliest moment. WITH THESE WORDS THE SECRETARY HANDED THE DOCUMENTS TO HIS BEWILDERED EMPLOYER AND WENT OUT OF THE ROOM WITH HIS EYES FULL OF NERVOUS TEARS. THE HONEST MAN PUT ON A PAIR OF GOLD SPECTACLES, exchanged THESE FOR SOME GOLD PINCE NEZ, HUMMED TWICE, THEN BEGAN TO READ. THIS IS WHAT HE READ. 1. THE LAURELS, PUTNEY HEATH SOUTHWEST, NOVEMBER 9TH. DEAR LADY, Wernside. YES, I WILL COME TO Wernside HOUSE NEXT THURSDAY. I do not know you well, and I shall feel out of place among your friends, but I need not stop long. I think that to be seen at such a gathering, even for but a few moments, is of general advantage to my business. Otherwise I should certainly not come. One thing I beg of you, which is that you will not ask me a number of private questions under the illusion that you are condescending. The habit is very offensive to me, and it is the chief drawback I feel in visiting your house. I may add that, though I am in the middle classes like your late father, I have a very pretty taste in furniture, and the inside of your house simply makes me sick. I am very faithfully yours, John Rowe. two The Laurels, Putney Heath, South West, November ninth. Dear Sir, no, I will not entertain your proposal to use the Imperial British suction apparatus upon my ships. It may be a very good apparatus, and it might possibly increase my profits by pound two thousand in the year, but the fact is that I am so well to do it is hardly worth my while to bother about these little things. The bother of arranging the new installation, and the risk that after all my men might not know how to use it, has decided me. I know what you say, that the French, the German, the Italian, the Russian, and the United States governments have all bought your patent for use in their navies, but it does not influence me one jot. What are they, after all, but foreigners? Beside which it is my experience that somehow or other I muddle through, and I hate having to think. We are your obedient servants, John Rowan Company. 3. The Laurels, Putney Heath, South West, November ninth. Dear Dr. Burton, I wish you would come round this afternoon or to-morrow morning and see my eldest child, James. There is nothing whatever the matter with him, but his mother is in a flurry because some children with whom he went out to a party the other evening had developed mumps, and his voice is husky, which she idiotically believes to be a symptom of that disease. Your visit will cost me two guineas, but it is well worth my while to spend that sum, if only to avoid her intolerable fussing. My advice to you, as man to man, is to look at the child's tongue, give him some plain water, by way of medicine, and go off again as quickly as you can. Your fee will be the same in any case, and it is ridiculous to waste time over such a business. I am your sincere friend, John Rowe. 4. The Laurels, Putney, Heath, Southwest, November 11. Dear Dr. Mills, I enclose five guineas and a subscription for your new church i confess that i do not clearly see what advantage this expenditure will do me and i should have some hesitancy in setting down in black and white my reasons for sending you the money at all your style of preaching is monotonous your doctrines if they are really your doctrines are particularly offensive to me and after all we could get along perfectly well with the old church at the bottom i think this kind of thing is a sort of blackmail you know i cannot afford to have my name left out of your subscription list and probably the same motive is causing many other sensible neighbors of mine to part most reluctantly with a portion of his property. Perhaps the best way out of it would be to form a sort of union and to strike altogether against your exactions. But I cannot be at the pains of wasting any more time upon this matter, so here is your five guineas and be hanged to you. Very faithfully and respectfully yours, John Rowe. 5. The Laurels, Putney Heath, Southwest, November 9. "'Dear Sir, I have received your estimate for the new conservatory. I have figured it out, and undoubtedly you will lose upon the contract. I therefore accept it without reserve, and beg you to begin work as soon as possible. I fully appreciate your motive in making so extraordinary a bargain. You know that I shall make further alterations to the house, and you hope, by throwing away a sprat to catch a whale. Do not imagine that I shall be misled in this regard.' The next alteration I have to make, I will accept a tender of some other builder as gullible as yourself, and so forth to the end of the chapter. And I am your obedient servant, John Rowe. Six. The Laurels, Putney Heath, SOUTHWEST, West, November 9. My dear Alice, I will not send the small sum which you ask me as a brother to afford you, though I am well aware that it would save you a very poignant anxiety. My reason for acting, thus, is that a little annoyance has caused me when I have to disperse even a small sum, without the chance of any possible return, and especially when I have to do it to benefit someone who cannot make things uncomfortable for me if I refuse. I have a sort of sentimental feeling about you, because you are my sister, and to that extent my refusal does give me a slight, though a passing sense of erision, but that will very soon disappear and when I balance it against the definite sacrifice of a sum of money, however small, I do not hesitate for a moment. Please do not write to me again. Your affectionate brother, John Rowe. 7. The Laurels, Putney Heath, Southwest, November 9. Dear Sir, I enclose a check for two hundred and fifty pounds, my annual subscription to the local war chest of the party. I beg you particularly to note that this subscription makes me the creditor of the party to the extent of over three thousand pounds, counting interest at one above bank rate from the first subscription. I have carefully gone into this, and can be no error. I would further have you know that I desire no reward or recognition for my disbursement of this sum beyond the baronetcy of which we spoke the last time I visited you, in the presence of a third party and I must conclude by assuring you that any lengthy negotiation would be extremely distasteful to me. You need not fear my attitude in the approaching election. I am quite indifferent to parliamentary honors. I will take the chair five times and no more. I am good for one large garden party, three dinners, and a set of fireworks. I will have absolutely nothing to do with the printing, and I am, always at your service, John Rowe. When the honest man had pursued these letters he decided that they should not be posted in their present form but upon attempting to amend them he found himself singularly lacking in those phrases which he could usually discover so readily for the purpose of his correspondence he sent therefore for his secretary and told him to rewrite the letters himself according to his own judgment which that gentleman did with singular skill and dispatch maintaining the checks as drafted, and putting every matter in a proper light. That night the honest man, who was sleeping soundly, was more annoyed than ever at the reappearance of the devil at his bedside in the middle of the night. Now, said the devil, have I brought you to your senses? No, said the honest man, composing himself for sleep as before. You have not. You should have remembered that I have a secretary. Oh, the devil! said the devil impatiently. One cannot be thinking of everything. And he went out even more noisily than the night before. In this way the honest man saved his soul, and at the same time his face, which, if it were the less valuable of the two organs, was none the less of considerable moment to him in this mundane sphere. The End of Section 28